It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Francis Bay Lott is a lifelong Charleston resident and a parent of two kids, and he also has experience in mental health. Now, he's running for the Charleston County School Board to represent the West Ashley area. I speak exclusively with Francis for a special edition of Quintin's Close-Ups. And be sure to download the free Quintin's Close-Ups app in your Apple or Google Play stores. And listen to this interview later on iHeartRadio. Francis Bela, it's so good to meet you. It's good to meet you. Oh, I appreciate, appreciate this greatly. Yeah. As we see here right now, you are an advocate for education. Yes. And you had some development news that you told a lot of your friends and followers on uh, Facebook just recently, July 13th. Yes. You said this quote, file to run for Charleston County School District Board of Trustees with my campaign manager meeting you, one of your kids. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Give me the microphone first, so I can bust like a bubble. West Ashley, James Allen, together. Now you know you're in trouble. I'm giving you the microphone, so you tell me, what does it take for you to become the next Charleston County School Board member to serve West Ashley and James Allen? It takes me continuing to go door to door, meeting to meeting, uh, group to group, and talk to people, get to know people, tell them uh, what I think needs to work, what I think needs to change but also listen to their feedback and hone my own message to, uh, to try to develop a constructive approach to um, managing the necessary changes that the board need to do uh, in the next four to eight years. Okay. Um, when I'm elected, I'll serve for my full term. I'm not gonna run for another office in the middle of my term. Um, and if I'm elected again, um, that'll be my last term. What is your message? My message is um, basically fiscal responsibility, uh, reorientation of the, uh, of the budget to put everything in the classroom. Basically, if you're, if you're working for the district and you're not in front of a kid, you're not in a classroom, um, we really need to know why you have this job. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of associate assistant deputy superintendent jobs at 75 Calhoun that get paid a lot of money and, and don't appear to contribute to the problems we have. What are those problems right now as we sit here? The main problem is a lack of equity. In, fra in fact, it's a shame. It's, it's an embarrassment to our um, area. It's an embarrassment to our efforts. It does not reflect our beliefs, I think. Um, and that lack of equity falls right across, uh, right between racial lines. Um, the disparity, the gap, the achievement gap that everyone talks about, I talk about it plainly. And that's a, that's a gap between white kids and black kids. I'm looking at this particular fiscal year 2018 budget for the Charleston County School District. Yeah. What would you add and what would you take out of that budget 
if you were allowed to do that? Um, well, if you look at this budget, uh, and, and I'm, I, I gotta be honest with you, this is, this is complicated. Um, and you go page after page, uh, you keep seeing these lines that say other purchase services. And here we have other purchase services for $4 million. I don't know what that is. Um, I've got another page here um, that's miscellaneous donations, um, and that's only $115,000. I have so many questions about the budget. And then on page 69, we have a section called other objects. Within that section is an other objects budget line that's $958,000. 395 cents. Um, so there's places in the budget where I have a lot of questions. Um, there were some things brought up about uh, PR money being spent, um, 66,000, 120,000, um, something around that range. Um, I mean, that's low-hanging fruit, really, when you look at this budget and you look at the amount of money that's kind of tucked into these little areas that say, um, other objects, $511,000. Um, so in terms of where to get the money, I can't tell you exactly right now. Um, I think a, I think a, a focus of uh, sort of closing that equity gap that we have um, requires us to have a, um, a pretty existential conversation about who we are, not only as a school district, but who we are as Charlestonians and whether or not we're prepared um, to discuss the legacy of white supremacy and slavery um, and how that affects the, the lingering um, gap within our school system. I mean, it's reflected in a lot of other areas, but uh, the school system is where we see it, and it's consistently, it's always there. It was there when my grandfather, my father, and when I went to school here, and it's still there. In fact, I think it's even worse now. Um, so we really need to have a frank and open discussion about policies and changes that we can put in place to um, address these legacies. You talk about those policies. What are they as we sit here right now? What are they? Yes, sir. What are my policy proposals? Um, I think we have to focus larger amounts of our budget into reparative processes in failing mostly black schools. Um, I don't think it's a matter of, of equity. I think it's a little bit of a, a loose term, um, maybe not the most correct term. I think some of our schools need more than equity. Um, I think they need I think they need reparative policies that address all of the issues that are causing kids to not perform well. And not all of those are, in fact, in the classroom. Right? Let me give you an example. Okay. Um, when in, in 1965, when the war, in poverty, war on poverty was established and all of, those, um, all of the things that went with, went with that were put in place, that is when the achievement gap began to close. And it continued to close throughout that process while those policies were in place. And I'm not going to go through everything. Okay. You don't need me to go over okay. everything that, 
Johnson put on the war on poverty. There was also the Voting Rights Act. There were a lot of things that were really put in place around 65, because we had Brown in 1954, but of course South Carolina dragged its feet and didn't really do anything. Um, and so finally the 65 Act came around and really forced that, right? And during that time, the approach to um, reducing poverty and providing um, all kinds of other services in the schools, as well as in our homes and our society, began to close the, the gap. And during, from 1965 up until the 80s, the gap was closing. In fact, if those policies would have stayed in place, the achievement gap between black kids and white kids they weren't really collecting data on Latinx kids and other groups at that time. And this is Charleston, so I want to focus on that. Okay. Um, if those would have stayed in place, we would have closed the achievement gap by the year 2000. Now imagine that. Imagine if we were sitting here right now, 18 years, and, and I was saying, remember when we, when we closed the achievement gap in 2000? 18 years later, now we can focus on getting our kids ready for the jobs of the future, right? Because in 10 years, up to 40% of all jobs are going to be gone. They're going to be replaced with what? And we should be focusing on what we can train kids to do and help them learn so that they can work on those jobs. But instead, we're fighting the same battles back and forth. We're still fighting about equity. The disparities are, are gross, they're huge, and they're, they're getting larger. You talk about a lot of, about schools and their performances. What are the three biggest schools in the West Ashley area in your mind? Biggest? What do you mean by biggest? Top, top schools. You mean the best, like the top three best? In your mind. Um, well, you know, uh, Mr. Washington, um, you mind if I call you Quentin? Sure, go for it. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't mean any disrespect, but um, I, I kind of resent the framing okay. of that question. Sure. Because my philosophy is there should be no ranking of our schools in the district. We have 80 schools and they all should be great, right? So people say I'm a dreamer, people say I'm idealistic, okay. but that's where you start, okay. right? And so I, I don't choose to look at schools like that. Okay. Um, I don't choose to uh, call schools failing. I think the students who, who go to those schools that are called failing hear that and know that. And in some ways it ends up being a self-perpetuating um, uh, situation when you're in a school that you're always hearing on the news or you're hearing people talk about that your school is failing. Um, you know, my kids attend schools in West Ashley. I'm, not, I'm obviously partial to their schools, so if you really pin me down... Um, oh, I'm going to do it right here. <laughs> have, you really, have, have you actually been to some of these schools in Charleston County in the West Ashley area? Yes. Okay. Yeah. What do you see as we sit here right now? I, I see some of the best schools that, that I've ever seen in my life. Right? I went to graduate school in, in, in Washington, D.C. I've lived in other parts of the country. Um, I've seen schools in Germany, I've seen schools in Europe, and in Charleston, South Carolina, West Ashley, as well as downtown, I have seen some of the best schools I've ever seen in my life, right? At the same time, I've seen what appear to be some of the worst schools that I've ever seen. And what I see is this huge disparity, not only in the appearance, but also the attitude, 
um, and the overall public perception of these schools um, throughout the district. You talk about downtown. Obviously, I was sitting here just the other day with Tony Lewis, who's the, obviously the chairman of the Charleston County School District's constituent school board, and he basically says he's tired of Stonyfield being neglected. Yeah. If you were in the school board right now, what would you do with the situation as far as Stonyfield is concerned in your mind? Um, I, don't, I don't have a solution for that right now. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, do, I, I do think there are some uh, issues that need to be addressed in terms of the relationship between the constituent school boards and the main boards. Okay. Um, as I showed you in this org chart earlier, um, the constituent boards are left over from the actual independent boards right. that were there before the consolidation, before the sort of desegregation, okay. which is kind of weird to talk about it because our schools are still segregated. Um, those are left over, and, and, and over time, the, the main board has usurped a lot of those responsibilities um, from the constituent boards. And uh, members of the constituent boards that I've spoken to, and um, I'm not going to give their names at this point because they asked me not to, um, have said they're extremely frustrated with the um, inability to uh, engage or feel like they have, they're empowered to set the policies that their constituents are asking them for. Okay. And I look at that as um, a serious problem. Um, I look at it as something that needs to be uh, addressed with the congressional delegation. Um, I've proposed and suggested a couple of alternatives uh, for restructuring the board. You know, we're, we're talking about me running for this West Ashley seat, right? But it's not a West Ashley seat. I don't have to get votes from West Ashley to win that seat. All I have to get is 250 signatures on my petition from West Ashley. And it's not just West Ashley, it's James Island, it's Johns Island, it's all the way down to Edisto, right? right? So when you talk about I, I represent a West Ashley board, I also represent James Island, Folly Beach, and all those other parts. Um, but at the same time, I could win the seat without any votes from West Ashley. So think about that. How does that make me accountable? to the constituents in West Ashley if they can't essentially vote me out of office. You know what I mean? So other districts have um, the, uh, the seats are designated to a geographic area. And only the folks who live in that geographic area vote for that seat. I think that is a better solution than what we have now. And I think there should also be two or three maybe uh, at-large seats that are kind of like the seats we have now because yes. all our seats are at-large sure. really um, and I think we need to have some more direct accountability with your neighborhood schools your neighborhood constituents as a member of the board I've said that you either need to um, get rid of the constituent boards or give the constituent boards more power now, some folks have told me that they strongly disagree with that, um, but I'm willing and open to having that discussion. Um, I've had that discussion with uh, candidates for um, the State House and will be a part of the congressional delegation. Um, I'm counting on quite a few of those changing. And um, I would immediately, when I'm on the board, um, begin a dialogue about ways to restructure the board 
because I think the board has been like this since 1967. And have you noticed anything changed in the Charleston County area since 1967? It's a trick question. Of course it has. <laughs> of course it has. I mean, it's blown up. It's a completely different place, right? Also, there's been an argument, and I know um, uh, um, Elizabeth Mosley has argued for, right. uh, and, and Larry Kowalski. Right. These are two folks that I do not share a political ideology okay. with. But at the same time, I understand and can see the need for some kind of reform in the overall structure of the board. Okay. Um, and this is something that I think is going to make a huge difference in the long run. Because what we're seeing right now with the board, um, and, and getting back to Kowalski, I shouldn't speak for Larry, and. Um, Elizabeth, but correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. They suggested three, um, three districts, right? Like a, a dividing the districts between downtown, a Mount Pleasant district, and a Johns Island, James Island district, and having a separate district. Okay. You, you know what I'm talking about? Have you heard that? I, I haven't heard anything yet, but I'll go back and do my research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, again, I, I'm sorry if I'm misquoting okay. people, but I remember um, Elizabeth Moffley. Uh, either writing an op-ed or some kind of article about okay. doing that, and I know that um, I think Larry Kabrowski was also in favor of that. Um, I think we need to look at some things that restructure the board and realign accountability with the public. Um, so I think that's an important thing. And let me just say this okay. too: um, I don't, I don't mean to. Um, uh, uh, show any lack of appreciation or lack of respect to the folks who work on the constituent board. Okay. They do that work, it's important work. In fact, I think some of that work the board should do. Disciplinary issues, um, drawing lines, um, those are really kind of high stakes things that the board should be accountable for. And um, I think the board needs to be more in touch with the, and it'll take more time, don't get me wrong, but I think the main board members need to be in touch with the disciplinary issues that teachers and principals are facing on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis um, to have better understanding of that. So, you know, I had somebody tell me that they would not vote for me or support me if I proposed getting rid of the constituent boards. At the same time, I think we need to have a discussion about that, and I think I'll be happy to be proven wrong but at this point, I'm, I'm convinced um, that there needs to be some major structural changes. And obviously, as you mentioned, if you were to be elected, you're not going to only represent West Ashley, but also the Sea Islands and James Island as well. Yeah. What are those top schools down there that are still in your mind as far as schools that need to be turned around right now? Um, I think... Uh, I think hot gap. Okay. Um, I think you need to do more than just um, put a magnet school in the middle of another school to actually improve the school. Okay. Um, I think that's kind of a rigged and tricky way to raise test scores. Um, I think if you bring, if you if you convince a bunch of white parents to come and sit in the middle of a black school and then turn around and, and say, look, our scores went up, maybe they do on average. But how is how the lives of those black kids changed as a result of that policy? And let me get back to the Charleston County School Board. <laughs> I know that you also said this on July 25th. You said this, your boy takes the school board away from the selfish politicians. What do you mean by selfish politicians? 
I think that, you know, I'm going to call out people by name. Okay. Um, I, I voted for Reverend Eric Mack. Um, I was disappointed that he turned around and ran for the state house the year later. Um, and uh, I, I feel like that's showing a lack of commitment to the job that you were asked to do. Um, I've seen other members of the school board run for office in the middle of their term. Now, they're free to do that. If you file, you can run. Um, I just feel like when you go and you ask for um, the voters to put you in to do a job for two years, four years, you should stay and do that job. Now, if you have an emergency, if you have a family or a personal issue, I, I know there was a board member a while ago, I need to get a drink of water, um, I think Toya Green, right. she had to move. Right. In fact, before I filed, I, I found out she was moving back and I asked her to run again. Okay. And um, uh, I, I think, you know, I think we need better diversity on um, the school board. I think we need, uh, I think we need more women on the school board. Um, and so I was hoping uh, she would run. I shouldn't speak about somebody like that. But what is the okay? What is your definition of a Charleston County School Board member? Well, it depends on which one. You know, I, I think a lot of folks, like I said, when you quoted me there, when I said selfish politicians, I think a lot of people come through the school board just as a scrimmage, just a practice for another office. They maybe want to run for the state house. They want to run for city council. They want to move through there in a way to um, advance their own political career and do very little in terms of engaging and, and, and active policy change and reform. Um, and that's what I see. And uh, that's what I meant by that statement. Okay. Um, and, and I think, you know, these are the most important elections in November, the school board, city council, and the state house. And I think we need to elect people who are serious about going in there and doing hard work and making significant changes that reflect the reality of 2018 and um, don't have any any other interest in, in launching this political career. And as you watched on Thursday when I did the interview with Cindy Bone Coates, she basically gave the Charleston County School Board C-. What that grade would you give them as far as performance right now? Um, I'd give them a D. Yeah. And obviously, Superintendent Jarita Postway has been there for three years, I believe four years for an academic year. Yeah. What else would you want her to do as far as superintendent in her next couple of years there? I, I mean, what else? I mean, it, by saying what else, you're assuming that she's actually done something. Um, I would give her an F plus, um, mainly because she appears to uh, have the right perspective on inequities, um, and she appears qualified on paper. However, her term has been fraught with controversy. And it makes perfect sense that she would need to spend a large amount of money on PR um, because that's something they've failed miserably at doing. The first time I noticed anything about her is when I saw um, my daughter's uh, first grade teacher on the cover of the Post and Courier holding up a sign in front of 75 Calhoun Street 
protesting the potential policy to tie, I think it was MAP scores, right. to teacher evaluation. And um, that's just a bad look. When you come into a new job, um, an important job, uh, you've got to make friends, you've got to create allies, you've got to you got to bring yourself into the community, especially if you're outside. If you come from outside of the community, you need to you need to go out into the community. You need to figure out who's who, and uh, sort of uh, ease yourself in a little better. I, I think she did a really bad job at that. Now, whether she did that intentionally or whether it was an accident, I know some of it she blamed on her staff. Um, Either way, though, she's, she's got to turn it around because, as you know, there are folks who are um, there are folks who are dead set on getting rid of her. In fact, when I I'm sorry, I think you're right. You go for it. In fact, when I was getting my petition filled out, as you know, you have to get 500 right. signatures. Um, people flat out ask me, "Are you going to are you going to move to fire her if you get elected?" And my answer then, and as my answer now, is. I don't know right now. I don't know right now. Um, and, and some folks refused to sign my petition. They felt that strongly about um, her needing to be removed um, that they wanted to make that point very strongly. And I'm quite aware of some other groups, and I can't speak for other candidates, um, but clearly there's a, a, there's a group called Flip the Board um, that does not like her. Um, and does not like the board members who support her and have made it their agenda to get rid of them. Um, so that's what we have, and it's really hard stepping into the middle of that because you know I'm a parent with two kids in the school system, um, and I just want what my kids are getting in their excellent schools um, to be provided to every kid in the district. And um, it, it, like I said earlier, it just breaks my heart that we have these excellent schools um, literally down the road from schools that are not excellent. And it makes no sense. It's all the same chain of command. It's all the same pot of money. Um, why are some schools so bad? Why are some schools having so many problems and other schools are ranked the top schools in the nation? That says something to you about the organization that's supposed to maintain and put that in place being completely ineffective, right? And let me get back to that question about the Dr. Postway. Just to be fair, as you watched the interview on Thursday with City Boat Coats with me, she basically says they don't have an image consultant down there. They never paid for that type of stuff. So what type of image problem does the school board have right now and the school district really? Well, we, we, you know, I've, I've been to school board meetings where the first 45 minutes were spent basically arguing uh, what appeared to be personal issues with one another. Um, uh, a lot of times there appears to be conflict between Chris Collins, Reverend Chris Collins, excuse me, um, and other members of the board. Um, I watch all of the board meetings. I also watch all the Committee of the Whole. Right. And if you watch those, you can see that there's conflict and tension between the board members that, in my view, appears personal and appears based on some other kind of baggage that I can't put my finger on. Okay. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm happy to hear that. But my sense is that the board members are not working harmoniously. 
that some board members have agendas that are maybe discussed in executive committee or maybe discussed one-on-one, -on -one, but they don't appear working collaborative, collaboratively as a group okay. during the meeting. And, and that's very frustrating when you go to a meeting and the first 45 minutes is spent talking about, you know, why Chris Collins can't put anything on the agenda that he wants to, and, and, and what is the personal beef behind that. Um, I want to go and I want to listen to policy. You know, I want to listen to what they're going to do about kids um, who are dyslexic, who have dyslexia. Um, I want to know what they're going to do about um, the high um, need for mental health services in our school that are not being provided. I want to know about how they're going to move away from a high stakes standardized test focused curriculum to a more uh, widespread, uh, excuse me, more diverse and comprehensive measurement that determines the effectiveness of, of schools and teachers. Um, a math test score and a reading test score on a standardized test, it can tell you a little bit, but it doesn't tell you enough to um, make final and ultimate decisions on a school or a teacher. And we need to have a serious discussion about a different way to do that. And that's a big part of my campaign, and as you know, if you've read any of my materials, if you've seen my website, I'm against high state, I'm, I'm just against high state standardized tests, period. And um, I know some of them are required by the federal government, I know some of them are, are required by the state government, um, but it, these institutions are built by us, right? And so we have the ability to rebuild them in a way that we like. These policies are, might be a federal law, it might be a state law, but there's ways to get waivers, there's ways to get um, demonstration projects that can look at alternative ways to do this. These aren't rules that were brought down from Moses that we just can't change no matter what. Um, when I talk to parents, and, and when I talk to myself, because I'm a parent, um, I don't have any use for math scores. Um, my daughter comes home during testing season with 12 pages of math practice questions that are many times way, way outside of her ability and she's extremely frustrated with not being able to do them. Um, I just think we should take that time and spend that doing other things. I think we need to have more music, I think we need to have more art, I think we need to have other types of uh, curriculum emphasized in place of that test prep. Francis Baylock III, thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate this. You're welcome. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.